Welcome to Restorative Justice Reflections, the show where we talk about the things that are happening in news, pop culture, uh, the media, and try to make sense of it all. I'm your host, David Ryan Barcega Castro Harris, all five names for all the ancestors. And here with me today um, is Sujatha Baliga. She has been, we've actually been in conversation for a little bit, and you can hear the full conversation that we're having on uh, another episode of this Restorative Justice Life. But in this moment, we're responding, reflecting on um, a recent incident that uh, popped off in social media, where um, a video was put out of His Holiness the Dalai Lama asking um, a little boy to suck his tongue. There was a lot going on under the surface of that, and so we're here to explore that. Um, you know, Sujatha, you introduced yourself on This Is Sort of Justice Life, so, and people can read the description to learn a little bit more about you. But really quickly, um, when you saw this happen, what came up for you? What was your reaction as somebody who has deep experience um, in Buddhist tradition and personal experiences with His Holiness the Dalai Lama? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, David, for giving an opportunity for other things to be heard uh, on on this. And so just really briefly, I think it's important to name uh, that I come to this conversation as a very public survivor of child sexual abuse uh, and someone who spent my entire adult life, you know, dedicated to uh, ending, healing from and ending child sexual abuse. Um, I'm a former victim advocate. I've worked extensively in the field um, and ultimately found my way to restorative justice. Um, and so, um, and yes, I am a Buddhist practitioner and I have had multiple audiences with the Dalai Lama. Uh, and the first one was in 1996 when I met him, um, really struggling with my own work in trying to end sexual violence and my own sort of survivor journey. Uh, and his advice to me um, on um, ending child sexual abuse and how to make that my life's work has really guided my work. Um, and so, so that is some background information. I am also deeply embedded in Tibetan community and have been uh, for decades, uh, knowing many Tibetans and spending, you know, at least three times a week spending time with Tibetan folks. And, um, and so this is some of the background information that I have, uh, or just background stuff. I also, um, am a former criminal defense attorney who has worked with folks who have been accused of things they did not do. And so I actually bring sort of a legal analysis to the conversation as well. And so I hope, I hope that this can be beneficial. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit of a background information. And um, I don't know, David, do you want me to just say a little bit about what I, Oh, you asked me what was my initial reaction? So when I first saw the video, so um, my uh, knowing his holiness as I do, uh, and seeing the clip that I saw, it was very obvious to me that it was edited um, and edited in two ways. One was that it was just like two little clips of something stuck together and that it also that the boy's face was completely blurred out so much so that you couldn't really see what was happening between their faces. And so because that's how my mind works and because, you know, knowing after 87 years of a public and a private life that I have had some privy to, um, of nothing like this ever having been said about him before, right? Um, I was like, mm, what else is going on here? And I think that that is an important thing for folks to ask themselves before rushing to, oh, let's have a snap judgment that this person is doing something really like creepy or disgusting is to actually say what else might be going on here, right? And so that was my snap feeling. I also had a sinking feeling like, oh no, 
this is like this is clickbait that is going to be really damaging uh, to not to his holiness because his holiness is fine, you know, but to the Tibetan people and to our own minds uh, that we need some people we can trust and love in this world. And so I felt sort of sick for all of us. That was my initial feeling like, oh, this is really bad. This should not this we need to pause before we run with this narrative. Uh, and to educate ourselves and to understand what's happening. But that's not how the world works these days, is it, David? So that was my initial reaction. <laughs> yes. And like for me, like not having as much experience with both Buddhism, um, His Holiness, but like being a critical consumer of media, it's like one, mm. you know, the edited nature of this clip was something out there. Two, like what with from what I know about His Holiness, like, what sticks out in my mind the the most is the playful nature of how he interacts with people, right? And so even without knowing the full context of what was going on there, my initial thing was like, oh, this was just like a joke that went wrong, not like this is a sexual predator, right? And I think like there's space to be like, even if like that's the case of what was happening, there's space to be critical of elders of a different generation like acting in ways that like are not conducive to like our current like standards for like what is appropriate interaction between um elders and young people and like we can have that conversation but to label someone like sexual predator um in a moment is like whoa 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 let's stop and so when we think about like a restorative justice process and like maybe not we're not getting to like the justice of this all but like we're thinking like restoratively we're thinking about like what happened like what actually happened Who's impacted and how, and like, what are the needs present in that situation in order to make things right or as right as possible? Whose responsibility is it to meet those needs? So, well, I mean, let's start with the what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, what happened? I think it's really important to start with what happened. I mean, and I think, well, and we can start with who was harmed actually, which is the way we start restorative conversations. And what we know is that initially, initially, there was no harm to that boy. And if there are many of us who've gotten to see the full unedited version of that thing. And are there moments where the boy seems like awkward or embarrassed or something? Yes. I mean, so the, the engagement goes on for over three minutes and there's a lot of hugging and playing and tickling and goofing um, that occurs um, in the context of this entire thing. And, um, and then there is post video footage of the boy and his mother who was sitting next to them when this whole thing was happening. It was her event uh, that she was putting on for a foundation that she runs that helps children. And there were 120, uh, you know, college age kids in the audience and some smaller kids. And he was one of them. And he asked his holiness for a hug. His holiness can't hear um, and didn't understand the word hug. And I think he misinterpreted it as kids. So he's, he's almost 88. He learned English in his late forties and his English is actually quite bad. And he says that he enjoys speaking in English because it creates uh, mistakes that become laughable. He has actually said that on why do you speak in English when your Tibetan is so incredible? Like we miss so much of his thinking, but he does it for us so that we can get to hear him in English. And also because he says it's funny when he makes mistakes. So he made a couple English mistakes here. First was that they were trying to tell him hug, 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 and he couldn't hear. Um, and any, any like four or five people just keep coming up to him trying to tell him like what this boy is asking for. And so he's like, oh yeah, yeah, come, come, come. And so then he thought it was kiss. So he's like, first here, then here, then here. And so his holiness, you have to understand, is um, 
And, and so this can cut both ways for those of us who know that there's tons of clergy sexual abuse that occurs, right? Um, and at the same time, in understanding that His Holiness has been a celibate his entire life and has been withdrawn from external culture and society in many ways, um, and particularly around things sexual, it's just not how he's thinking, right? And so he's goofy. And so you can see him pulling people's noses, pulling people's ears, you know, you know being very physically goofy with people. And because of that, there's sometimes sort of cross-cultural gaffes. Um, and so with Tibetan folks, mouths and tongues aren't necessarily seen as sexual. You can Google it right now and say Tibetans and their tongues, and you will find thousands of pictures of Tibetans going like this. And there's like a, just a lot of, for those who are just listening, I'm sticking out yeah. my tongue in like seven different ways. And so there's a lot of goofing and greeting and communicating with tongues that is 100,000% non-sexual. And so to me, there's like this cross-cultural gaffe between the missing what he heard and and the tongues not being sexual and the fact that he's all, like the first time I met him, he played a humongous practical joke on me and he's just goofy and playful and sometimes even like a little, he pushes the edge, he's a little inappropriate in some ways, but not sexually inappropriate, just um, he uses physical humor and slapstick humor all the time to break the tension between people, especially those who like revere him as a god or feel awkward. And so the boy is feeling awkward because it took forever for him to get onto the stage. And his mother is seeing there, like you see her expression. She's like, what are you doing? Like, do you, you know, like it was, she's, she's laughing, but she's also like, this is the event she's putting on. The boy is awkward and his holiness starts playing with him. That is literally what is happening. And so for those who know him, uh, know that that's what happened. And so was the boy harmed? Uh, who was harmed um, from the post audience interview where the boys literally saying the words, it is inexpressible. He said, it is indescribable, inexpressible, the blessing of being in, in it, be able to receive a blessing from his holiness. That's what the boy said immediately thereafter. And then afterwards the boy like goes and tries to do this other thing. This blessing, we break a coconut to get his blessing. This was happening within the South Asian context. And Notions of bodily autonomy of children, of course, need to be respected generally, yes, but how things play out as sexual or not sexual or abusive or not abusive actually has cultural context. And so almost every South Asian person I know who saw it was like, this is Dalai Lama, be Dalai Lama. And it never even occurred to us to think that it would be sexual. But those of us who straddle societies uh, and cultures understand, oh, hey, yeah, that's going to that's not going to look good. And it is going to, people are going to run with it for clickbait. And that is what happened. So, um, and it didn't happen immediately, right? This was no. an event in February That's right. of this year. We're now having this conversation in the middle of May, this popped off in, in April. Right. And mm -hmm. so when we think about, you know, who was harmed, I think about in that situation, right. Kind of nobody like, yeah, there is awkwardness. Sure. But like, that's not harm, right? right. Um, I right. like to think about the ways that um, I want to shout out uh, Stoss and Lee from oh, Spring yeah. Up when you know they <laughs> use their uh, analogies of like you know harm, conflict, abuse, like yes. right. It is not conflict, it, like it is not harm that we disagree or have like an awkward 
moment, yeah. right? It's not even harm that I like happen to like brush up against your shoulder that like has a bruise, right? Like you're hurt. And I think when this was publicized, like this hurt a lot of people, right? Both because it reminded them of things that happened in their lives, things that um, have happened in the lives of people around them. And because of the um, disconnect between the cultural context and, you know, the edited nature of the video, like there was a lot of hurt that was brought up because of something that was perceived as um, an older person taking advantage of a younger person, right? Like, yeah, that that's understandably upsetting for some people. Yeah. And so like, like there is hurt there, but yeah. like, what was the harm? Right. <laughs> Who was harmed? Yeah. We can have our feelings and we can find things disturbing, but that doesn't, and we can receive. Mm. So here's a, an example. There's, you know, um, you know, let's say that when you were a kid, somebody had harmed you with like a chair that they'd beat you with a chair or something. And sometimes seeing chairs that are shaped like that chair that was, was a part of your childhood trauma is triggering to you. That is so reasonable, Right. There are many people who were sexually harmed as children where tongues were a part of that harm. I get it. That is horrible, right? To have to see somebody that you revered and respected and wanted to believe like there's one perfect person out there in the world. There still is. He's amazing. And <laughs> nothing bad happened. I can see how seeing that picture made you feel yucky, right? But that doesn't mean that what we are seeing through our lens, and I'm not saying this to gaslight anybody. It's to understand that we have our own cultural context, our own lived experience through which we see. There's so much knowledge we have as survivors, as people with direct lived experience, as experts in certain areas. And there are other pieces of knowledge and wisdom about, for example, how other people live and exist in the world that we also have to fold in, right? And so we have to be able to hold those two truths simultaneously. Um, and so, you know, what the fact that half the world does not make out, did we even know this? Half the world does not use the mouth as a sexual thing. So like, did we know They're that? They're missing out. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so right now it occurred to you, David, to acknowledge that you are seeing that through your right. own cultural lens. Sure. When I was a kid growing up in India, right, parts of my childhood in India, I just remember it funny that they would like cut all the parts of the movies out that involved like lots of making out and tongue kissing mm -hmm. and stuff. And I would say to my family, like, y'all so prude. And they'd be like, no, it's just gross. It's not that it's that we're trying to block the sexuality from our eyes. It's that why do you people like suck on each other's faces? That's nasty, right? <laughs> so I had to really think about that and be like, wow, yeah, what's sexual for everyone isn't the same, right? And what is, um, so there's a continuum of things that happen between bodies in the world. Some of them are wrong everywhere. A 50-year-old having sex with a 10-year-old is always wrong. There's nowhere where that is okay. Nowhere on the planet. I mean, it might even be legal in some places, but it is not okay, right? And a, and a parent holding hands with their four-year-old is always okay. And almost everything in the middle is culturally defined. And we as Americans in particular have a bad habit of putting our lens on everybody else's stuff. I'm not saying every single thing in the middle. There are lots of things that are not okay in there. And we are having an evolving notions of children's bodily autonomy. And we do need to wake up to that, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that when someone else crosses 
our cultural notions of children's bodily autonomy, that that makes them a sexual abuser. Oh my goodness. You know, and if we live that way, honestly, right? Like particularly for the survivors out there in the world, I just want to assure you, like there are some people we can actually trust. Uh, and it was a big learning for me, right? Choosing to have a child and to leave that child at home with my co-parent, right? Was that was a, that was a journey, mm -hmm. right? Choosing to make a human with another human after what I had lived through, right? But I know in the core of my being that my partner is, you know, the safest person on earth. And we have to believe that about some of us, right? So that's when it's like, oh, we know that Balama has never been accused of anything like this. And of course, it was always the first time and this and that and the other. Yes. And can we pause, right? And, and be like you, David, and say, oh, I'm a discerning um, consumer of media. Let me use my perspicacious mind to dig a little further. And then if you dug a little further, you might have also found out that that clipped video was actually initially linked to you know, somebody who is a, you know, a sympathizer with the Communist Party of China and is out to, you know, you know, and that Chinese and Russian bots have been a huge part of what's gotten that video to go viral and that it got released. Well, why did it take so long to get released? It got released on the verge of the first global Buddhist conference that was happening in India with the Dalai Lama who was being invited and China was boycotting it. And so, What's up with the timing? Why did it take so long? Who released the video? What was the impact of blurring that boy's face instead of seeing him smiling, right? What was the impact of showing the clips that you showed without showing the whole video? What, who's, who's behind it and why, right? And, um, and, and what, does it, what purpose does it serve? Um, and then also just like, what's coming up for me in this? And can I attend to that? with loving kindness and compassion towards myself uh, before I start to launch into saying that person is, right? Let's check with ourselves first about what, what might be happening here with me. So those are some thoughts. <laughs> yeah. And I think when we're thinking about like the greater impact on, you know, the repercussions of like the media storm and criticism that was you know embarrassing for the boy his family yes. right you're, you're saying like you know his holiness is probably fine right <laughs> like i'm i'm positive he's not spending any time checking his twitter mentions or his instagram or you know what have you right um like there there is impact on like real people when things like this blow up in media and i think yeah. you know not, uh, neither you or I are in direct communication with anybody who is like directly involved in that particular incident, but we are people who have been affected by this in the world. And so like, you know, there's this part of it that is like, yes, take care of yourself. Yes. Be a, a conscious consumer of media. But I also think there's a part of this is like, mind your damn business and do the work that's in front of you Aww, yeah. <laughs> where it's like, you know, there are things that, there are lots of things in the world that are happening that like you and I don't agree with, but like we can't do anything about, yeah. right? Our outrage is not well used on something like this. There are lots of other things in the world to be upset about. Find your community, find the places in the world where you can do work that is impactful, that is preventing harm, that is healing harm um, and do that. Yeah, that's right. I think that when I think that when we spend a lot of time on performative protection, post facto non-protection, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what happened here, right? A whole lot of people's like, what about that boy? I'm like, well, 
the boy is now completely, I'm sure, horrified, his family horrified. Um, if you, you know, look again at the post event, you know, <laughs> conversations with them about how thrilled they were by the whole thing. And now the fact that their family is embroiled in this story that the Dalai Lama sexually abused a child, like horrifying for these, this Himalayan family whose dream in life was to be able to get this blessing from his holiness. And it got turned into something dirty by the media and by people outside their own culture. Terrible for them. We actually, we harm them. Who sexually abused the boy? Not the Dalai Lama. We did by sexualizing the event. So is the boy traumatized now? Yeah, um, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I shouldn't say. Maybe he, like the Dalai Lama, is like, whatever those weirdos, everybody made some mess out of this thing that's not even true, right? Like His Holiness is not saying those weirdos. If anything, His Holiness put out an apology because he understood that how it landed on us was disturbing to our minds. And he wanted to say, I'm sorry for that part, you know? Yeah. Um, and so people criticize the apology as being sorry for his words. That's all he apologized. Well, yeah, because he wasn't sorry for having loved on that kid. He was sorry for how his joking and his, his behavior was perceived by us in ways that disturbed our minds. And he doesn't want to disturb our minds. That's who he is. Right. So he, he, he apologized exactly correctly for what it is that he um, is taking responsibility for. Right. And yeah. so that, that is really interesting. But and I think like, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. no. I just know. wanted to name this thing that you were saying about like, stay in your lane or mind your business. On the one hand with child sexual abuse, we should never mind our business. Right. And on the other hand, like, what is your role to play? Like, what is your role to play in this? And that's what brings me back to this notion of everyone, you know, having something to say about this, uh, literally had no role to play in helping in this particular situation. And so, and if anything, everybody rushing in actually caused harm. So yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry, David, you had something you wanted to say on that? Yeah. It was just that, you know, when we're thinking about our impulse to act out of our own trauma, act out of our own harm, right? Like there needs to be a moment of like checking in with, you know, what is it and why is this, why am I being activated by this? Mm -hmm. um, and letting that lie. If it's not, if, if it like, if it doesn't apply, like let it fly, right? Like if it's not about like things that are relevant to you in a given moment or within the scope of like what you can do. I'm shrugging for those of you who are just uh, listening to us. Um, but, you know, there is a lot more that we discuss about um, healing from sexual uh, violence, restorative ways of being in general um, on our full episode of This Restorative Justice Life with Sujatha. So I invite you, if you haven't already, to tune into that. Um, and Sujatha, we're actually going to continue the, the rest of that conversation yeah. right now. So right thanks on. for being here on yeah. this little piece. There's just one little thing that I would add to is just this real um, invitation. Like what you said, David, just really moved me with this notion of like when we are our impulse to act out of our own trauma, um, I love that people say in restorative spaces, hurt people, hurt people, healed people, heal people. And so for me, I am still acting out of my history as a child sexual abuse survivor all the time. That is what I do. That is the basis of my work. But I'm acting out of my healing, mm. not out of my trauma. Right? And so I warmly encourage everybody to act out of their healing. 
And when the response is to do something really quickly and something really punitive or cancel-y, I can guarantee you that it's probably not your keeled place you're acting out of. That's not where solutions come from, right? From that rush. Um, so yeah, it's just an invitation to slow down and to say, where's my healed place? Where's the wisdom of my healing on this? And how do I bring that to this? So that is what I'd offer. Thank you so much for engaging in this with me. I know it is sticky and messy. And in this world of quick snap judgments, even engaging this is, is, is risky. And so I am grateful uh, for the opportunity to, to do this with you, David. Thanks. <laughs> Absolutely.